Hey there, future fans! This week, we pray we don't get caught, we have a fight with our partners, and we do the time lip again and again and again. This is the week of August 14th, 2020, and this is episode 177 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome, welcome to the show. That's right, my future friends. It is episode 177, and I'm actually doing this show two weeks after the previous one. I'm not taking a break again, even though, to be honest, it was very, very tempting. But I had already seen all the movies, and um, after a suggestion from my wife, we're considering doing the show in a different format, just slightly. We're not changing a lot of stuff up, but slightly different. But more on that in a little bit. First off, you may be wondering what it is you're listening to. Well, this is Future Flicks with Billiam. I am your host, Billiam, and this is a show where we talk about movies. Normally on the show, things are a little different. But of course, normally, we don't have COVID. We're not in quarantine. We're not in lockdown. So normally on the show, what I would do is I would talk about all the films coming out during the week. So in an alternate reality, when we got a handle on this COVID thing earlier and theaters are open again, I will be talking about all of the movies that were coming out this week. Then giving my thoughts on them based only on the trailers. And also on the show, I go over any new trailers that have come out and any new news stories that have caught my eye. Right now, though, we do things a little differently. We still talk about new news and new trailers, which there aren't a lot lot of, which there aren't a lot of, but instead of talking about the movies that are coming out in theaters, instead... I watch four different movies, which I also invite you to watch. I try to make sure all the movies are available on streaming, and I try to spread it out over the streaming services just in case you don't have all of them, so hopefully there's something for you to watch. This week, the movies were Palm Springs on Hulu, Lovebirds on Netflix, The Big Sick from Amazon Prime, and our throwback movie of the week, Sister Act, which is on Disney+. You're right, that is a lot of Kamal Nanjiani, and you're welcome. So let me tell you about how we were thinking of changing things up. We were thinking of having this show go back to a weekly show, but shorter. Because if you remember, Future Flicks with Billiam used to be about an hour. Sometimes it would be 45 minutes. Hell, some weeks it would be half an hour, but that was rare. But now it's become longer because I go on, on bigger rants about these films. So the thought is, having it be a weekly show again, and only doing two movies a week, so it would have been like this week, Palm Springs and Lovebirds, next week, Big Sick and Sister Act. So it would be a shorter show, also because with only one week difference, and fewer news and trailers coming out, the those two segments would be shorter. So as I record this episode, I will discuss this with my wife and we will see what um, what's best. Because though I like a week of doing nothing show related, it, it, it does feel like a mini vacation. It could also just be less time in general if I do shorter episodes. So we will see where that goes. But for now, my future friends, 
please let us step into our first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Well, my future friends, the first story this week is that Dwayne The Rock Johnson, now mainly just Dwayne Johnson, is Hollywood's highest paid actor for a second year in a row. And is this any wonder? Whether or not you actually like his movies, you have to admit he is in a ton of blockbusters. And this article from Variety says that he made $23.5 million alone for his starring role in an upcoming Netflix film called Red Notice. And you know what? I like him because I, as many of you know, am one of those movie watchers, movie enjoyers, movie lovers, movie fans who can both watch a movie critically and go, oh, yes, this is a, this is a fine film. Yes, is, you could tell by like we were talking about with uh, last week with Casablanca, the lighting is fantastic. And then I can watch something like the Jumanji series with The Rock and go, yeah, yeah, this is great and hilarious and fun. So yes, I am a fan of Dwayne Johnson, and when when he does something, I'm probably going to watch it. And it turns out there are so many people that have similar views when it comes to him that that is probably why he's the highest paid actor right now. Next up, this story from CNET. You may have heard that Disney is releasing Mulan both in theaters and on streaming. But the problem is, guess what? A lot of theaters still aren't open. You can tell by the format of this show. So they're also releasing it on Disney Plus on September 4th, but there is a catch. Here's the catch. If you want to stream Mulan on Disney Plus on September 4th, it will cost you an extra $30 on top of your Disney Plus subscription. I guess this is this is in response to Trolls World Tour and all these other movies that have been coming out. I mean, there haven't been a lot of them, but a lot of these straight-to-VOD movies that skipped theaters that have been doing really well. So far, there's no word yet on how long it will be pay-only and when it will be free, but once I know, you know. This next story comes to us from Pop Sugar. I think I mentioned it already, but just in case, I think this is really weird. In case you didn't know, in Shia LaBeouf's recent movie, The Tax Collector, his character has a huge torso tattoo that he really got. This motherfucker really got this tattoo. If you see a picture of it, it's it's just kind of extra. My future friends, this next story comes to us from CBR.com. If you haven't heard already, Netflix is replacing their iconic, as they call it, to dumb sound on their theatrical releases with a Hans Zimmer composed intro. If you don't know what sound I'm talking about, just start watching a Netflix original show or just sign into Netflix and you'll hear that tadum sound. But now for their Netflix original movies, there or at least the ones that are also released in theaters so they can be open for award contention, you will now hear a 17-second Hans Zimmer composed intro as opposed to the 3-second tadum. Yeah, that's news. Right? This next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. My future friends, if you were one of the people that watched Invisible Man and loved it, because if you remember, when that movie was coming out, I was shitting on it based on the trailer. And from what I've heard, a lot of you agreed with me that the trailer made it look like shit, but it was actually a really good film. So I've yet to see it. But if you are one of those people that watched the film and really like it, good news for you. Elizabeth Moss is set to star in a new psychological thriller from Bloomhouse called Miss March. So yay, if you liked her in Invisible Man, you'll you'll probably like her in this, hopefully. 
My friends, this next story comes to us from Decider, and I'm not going to dive too deep in it. I'm just basically, basically going to read the title because I think this is very interesting and I forgot about this. But do you remember the movie A Kid in King Arthur's Court? This is a movie from 1995 starring, if you remember him, Thomas Ian Nicholas, who was in, besides this movie, he was in Rookie of the Year and Radio Flyer. Well, here's the thing about a kid in King Arthur's Court that I never knew. I never knew, since I haven't seen it since 95 when it came out, that Daniel Craig and Kate Winslet were in it. It was one of Daniel Craig's first movies. And actually, same for Kate Winslet, too. Before that, they had done a lot of TV and TV movies. And wow, I I don't even remember that. The only thing I remember from the movie was that it was super 90s because he was rollerblading and then showing then he like invented rollerblades back then because he knew how they worked. So he's like, oh, let's just build this because it's that easy. And then he defeats the bad guy by using his C- the laser from his CD player, his portable CD player, because that's a thing. It could I guess it shines so bright it burns your eye. I mean, it was fun. It was a stupid fun film. This next story comes to us from BGR. We may know the name of the next Spider-Man movie. It may be Spider-Man Homesick. Where did this website get the information? Well, apparently the websites Esquire and Maxim have this movie listed as Spider-Man Homesick. Because when I want reliable news for movies, I turn to Esquire and Maxim. I mean, I get... I get why people th- I, I get why people would think this because it's been Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, so Spider-Man Home is something else. But Homesick I just don't really like. So it'll be interesting to see what they name it when the film comes out. Well, of course, we'll know what the film is called before that, but you know what I mean. This next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. Actor Daniel Day Kim is running a fundraiser to get actor James Hong a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And it it's a travesty that he doesn't have one yet. You may be asking yourself, who's James Hong? You know him. You know him from something. And if you don't recognize him from anything, then you've probably never seen a movie in your life. But some of his bigger movies, Big Trouble in Little China, Blade Runner, he did a voice in the Kung Fu Panda series, he was in Chinatown. Do you remember The Golden Child from 86 with Eddie Murphy? He was in that. He's been in so much stuff, and the fact that he doesn't have one blows my mind. Because you know who has one? Donald Trump. And I'm not talking about politics here. You know my feeling about this show and politics. My issue with Donald Trump having a walk of fame, a star, is that his star is for television. For a f***ing show a, a fucking terrible reality show. He gets a star for a reality show and James Hong doesn't have one yet. That says all you need to know, basically, about the injustice this is. Fucking Tinkerbell has a star and Tinkerbell isn't real. Hell, Shrek has a star on the Walk of Fame. The magazine Variety, a fucking magazine, has a star on the Walk of Fame. While I know everyone can't get one, it's it's it just makes me wonder how some of these character actors, but beloved character actors, haven't had one. It's just crazy. In other news, this from ET Online actor Rennie Santoni died back on August 1st. You'd know him from movies like Cobra and Dirty Harry and shows like Seinfeld. Also on August 1st, Wilford Brimley passed away. You would know him from movies like The Thing, Cocoon, Hard Target, 
the natural, and uh, many know him as the diabetes guy. You know, he's a guy in those commercials that told you about cheaper ways to get your diabetes testing supplies. He passed away at the age of 85. This next story from Digital Spy, Jai Courtney, who you would know from movies like Terminator Genesis, Divergent, Suicide Squad, A Good Day to Die Hard. He is uh, teasing Alita Battle Angel 2. Apparently he was uncredited in the first one. And okay, you know what? I actually liked Alita Battle Angel. I don't think it was perfect, but I think it was one of the better anime movies out there. So yeah, it it wasn't that bad, and sure, I'll watch it. Well, my future friends, that was it for the news. And remember, as always, if I miss any news that you think I should have covered in the show, or you just want to hear my opinion on, or maybe you just want to hear, hear me swear a lot because you know it'll piss me off, whatever the reason, please let me know, and I will talk about it in the next episode. Worst case scenario, I pull a critter with you and I completely miss it. Then you message me again going, hey, you forgot to talk about my thing. And I go, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Well, my future friends, there's only a couple of trailers this week. And normally we have a commercial break here. But guess what? We're going straight into the trailer trove. Then we'll do two ads and then we'll get into the movies. So let's talk about the first movie that had a trailer that caught my eye. Because to be honest, just like with the with the news, when I notice a trailer, I put in a playlist to watch it later. And there were two movies that I had on this playlist that I watched and they just looked... One looked terrible, the other looked eh. The first one that looked terrible was Spinster starring Chelsea Peretti. And it just looks bad. It, it just looks bad. And... Chelsea Peretti, I hated her character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I still like her. I, I still think she's talented, but this movie just looks boring, and I don't even want to talk about it. Next was a movie called Kajillionaire, and that actually has a good cast, but it looks so weird and just awkward and just not not enjoyable. It stars Evan Rachel Wood, Gina Rodriguez, Deborah Winger, and Richard Jenkins, and it's about this family of con artists and how when they invite this other women to join them in their next con everything goes awry it just watch a trailer it just looks weird and not weird in an artsy way where you can go oh this is this movie is really weird but i saw where the director was going and these beautiful shots and blah 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 no it just looks strange and like the kind of movie i'd be checking my watch the whole time so instead let's talk about a movie called critical thinking that got a trailer coming out this comes out september 4th and it's directed by john leguizamo and it stars john leguizamo also has uh, michael kenneth williams and then a, a bunch of kids who i bet you have done things but you know i've had a bit to drink so i don't want to look at that right now but this is a based on one of those dramas based on a true story this is based on the true story of the of the Miami Jackson High School chess team which was the first inner city team to win the US National Chess Championship so it's a familiar idea right we have this we have this teacher who's not going to give up on these kids like how can i reach these kids if you if you're a fan of south park or let's be honest what that episode of south park was referencing was the edward james almost movie stand and deliver from uh, 1988 anyway familiar story and even though we watch movies like this that are familiar stories for some of us we love them we can't get enough of them most of the time, they end well. Even if the team doesn't win, like, oh, this team, they, they didn't win the big game, but you know what? They came together and made a city believe in them again. There's, there's always something positive to it. Unless, of course, it's about a tragedy, but that's, that's a separate movie. That's a separate category there. But this film, we have John Leguizamo, who believes in these kids and is, runs the chess club 
And he thinks the kids are good enough to win a tournament. So he's trying to get them to this tournament, but the school's like, oh, no, no, this is chess. I don't think you get it. This isn't basketball or football. No one gives a fuck. But guess what? He he is set on finding a way to get these kids to this tournament. And if you think about it, chess is really weird. Uh, not as a game. Chess is fine as a game. I like it. I'm I'm moderately okay at chess. Okay, maybe on the lower side of moderately okay, but it's weird because we see chess represented in so many different ways. Like, it's a nerd game that, oh, only some f***ing hopeless dork would play chess. And then we see these movies where there are these, like, badass street hustlers playing chess in the park, scamming people for money because they're super good at it and people really don't stand a chance. But this movie looks like it's taking both approaches. We have this main character. Um, I don't know the character's name. Cedric. Cedric Roundtree is this main character. And his father, I assume, is some sort of chess hustler. So in this film, we're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Like his, his, Mr. Roundtree is teaching his son to be super good at chess, hope, hopefully to win a lot and make a lot of money. But John Leguizamo wants him to be on this team, wants him to go to this tournament as a more academic approach going, Hey, look, colleges will like the fact that you were on a chess team and you won tournaments. So in that case, it's another familiar story. Like later on in the episode, we're going to be talking about sister act. Well, in sister act two, if you remember, we had Lauren Hill who just loved to sing. She just had to sing, but her mother believed, Oh, singing, don't put no food on this table. That's a familiar story. The child has a passion, but the parents like, Oh no, no, no. You have to make money. You have to put your career first. But in this sense, it's kind of weird because it's like, no, you have to care about winning and the hustle, not about winning some nerdy ass trophy for your school. Anyway, this film seems like a safe bet, just a, a safe film that if you like those type of movies, you'll watch it and you go, OK, that was good. I'm glad I watched this. Next, please. And then you just kind of move on. Nothing outstanding, nothing bad. That's what I think you're going to get. So Critical Thinking, once again, coming up September 4th. Uh, we'll still yet to see if it's coming out in theaters or if it's straight to VOD. But one way or another, we'll find out. And the final trailer that caught my eye was one called Unpregnant. This is set to come out on HBO Max on September 10th. And it stars Haley Lou Richardson and Barbie Ferreira. And it's about a 17-year-old girl played by Haley Lou Richardson. You know, 25-year-old Haley Lou Richardson, but whatever. Who's counting? But she finds out she's pregnant. And even though she was trying to be smart and use protection. But guess what? Whoopsie. And she thinks that having a baby at 17 may put a damper on her dreams of going to an Ivy League college and then having a great career. So she turns the only person she can think of to help her. Her friend Bailey, who she hasn't talked to in a while because they were once best friends, have since parted ways and aren't too fond of each other. So her former friend says yes, they go on a road trip. And this sounds a lot like a movie that came out earlier this year that I just tried to look up, but I can't, I couldn't find anything about it. But I just remember it was a film where these girls go to New York because one of them needs an abortion. So in that sense, it was kind of, it's kind of similar because we have these two women in both movies going on a trip to get an abortion because where they're from, a 17-year-old or a kid can't get it without parental consent. But the movie that came out earlier this year seemed really dark. Like think along the sides of that 90s movie's Kids where you're kind of like you're watching it and even if you like it, it's just kind of dark. 
Well, this movie seems like the other side of things, where it's more of a comedy. It's more of a road trip comedy because we have these friends or former friends that are going on this trip with a purpose. But guess what? Things get in the way. And what I liked about the trailer is that the abortion itself wasn't the joke because it doesn't matter if you're pro-life or or pro-choice. Either way, it's not a good joke. But instead, the jokes happen along the way when, oh, guess what? The car they were driving that she that Veronica uh, Haley Lou Richardson thought her friend owned was actually her mom's boyfriend it's been reported stolen and oh no they they're trying to hitch a ride on a train by jumping on it as, as it's moving guess what that doesn't work out very well so this is still classified as a drama but it seems a lot more lighthearted than the other movie that I can't remember its name and the story between the two friends seems very basic, too. We have Haley Lou Richardson's character, who seems to be this popular girl. Like, if she doesn't post on Instagram for a day, maybe people are going to wonder what, what's wrong with her, and they're going to start being concerned. And her friend is weird. Like, you know that person in high school. I was that person. That person who purposely acts weird. Usually they're not the beautiful people. Because uh, in this movie, Barbie Ferreira's character is a little overweight and a little odd. So she leans into it. She's like, oh no, I'm going hardcore. Which maybe could have something to do with how these two aren't friends anymore. But maybe along the way, they're going to become friends again. Oh, maybe. But yes, that seems, it seems interesting. It doesn't seem wonderful. But if you already are paying for HBO Max, why not check it out when it comes out September 10th? Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Just like with the uh, with the news, if I missed a trailer, please let me know. I will talk about it on the next episode. But for now, let us take our first break as we hear a word from Somewhat Nerdy Radio. And we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with the movies. So let us start off with, okay, you know what order I'm going to do it in? I'm going to break up the two Kamal Nanjiani movies and we're going to do Sister Act, Sister Act and The Big Sick and then take a break and then do Lovebirds and Palm Springs. How does that sound? Oh, I knew you'd love it. Well, my future friends, let us start with Sister Act. This was the throwback movie of this episode. It's from way, way back in 1992. And it stars Whoopi Goldberg, Maggie Smith, Kathy Najimy, I'm still never sure how to say her name, Wendy McKenna, Harvey Keitel, and anyone else? Oh, and Bill Nunn. I didn't know he passed away. Jesus. Uh, Bill Nunn was the detective in this movie. Apparently he was in, I don't remember him in Do the Right Thing. I really need to watch Do the Right Thing again. I haven't seen it in way too long. Oh, and regarding Henry, that was a good one. 
But anyway, let's talk about Sister Act. If you, for some weird reason, have never seen this film, it is about a uh, a woman who is a lounge singer in Reno, and she just happens to witness a crime. Her boyfriend, who is a mob boss, murders someone. She then runs to the police, who hide her in a, yep, you guessed it, a convent. Because where else would you hide her? And guess what? This lounge singer from Reno has a hard time fitting in. Weird. This comes to us from director Emil Ardolino, who you would know from, well, you wouldn't know his name, really, unless you're a huge fan of Dirty Dancing, because he directed Dirty Dancing. Oh, and Three Men and a Little Lady. And it, and it's written by Paul Rudnick, who also wrote Adam's Family Values, In and Out with Kevin Klein. Uh, he wrote the script for The Stepford Wives. So a big topic we've talked about in these throwback films has been how they hold up. Like, how do these films hold up in today's society? Like I've brought up, um, Revenge of the Nerds does not hold up. Grease does not hold up well. Sound of Music holds up well. Casablanca holds up well. This one holds up well, too. Just because the focus is really on, it's, it's on the music. And it's about Dolores, a.k.a. Sister Mary Clarence, really learning how to be a better person. While she also teaches these nuns that maybe it's okay to loosen up just a little. You know, not break your vows, but maybe try to get out in the world and do more good. Maybe sitting in a building and praying all day is kind of useless when you could be doing something to help the help the community. And of course, the music. I, I like that that was the focus. And the differences between them had nothing to do with Whoopi Goldberg's race, had nothing to do with the fact that she was black and they were all white. It wasn't even an age thing because Dolores was about the same age, I assume, as Mary Patrick and Mary Robert, played by uh, Kathy Najimy and... Wendy McKenna. Wendy McKenna, you may not know, but Kathy Najimy, I'm going to say Najimy, that's fine, right? You would know her from Hocus Pocus. Oh, I didn't know she was the voice of Peggy on King of the Hill. Jesus. Wow, she's done a lot. Anyway, the joke wasn't even an age thing because she wasn't that much younger than the two youngest nuns. And I think this movie works also because you can see what you want in it. If you're religious, you can look at it as Dolores, a.k.a. Sister Mary Clarence, was in a way sent by God to help the nuns be more nun-like, to help them do more good in the community, to help them be more, well, better Catholics. If you're not religious, hell, maybe even if you're atheist and still like this film, you could look at it as this outsider coming in and helping the nuns be better by bringing in some outside non-Catholic ideas. So you can see multiple things in this film, or you can just watch it for the comedy and the music. And you know what? The music's still good. It's not dated. I mean, there are hymns and then there are takes on classic songs with like a God theme thrown into it. But it's not like, oh, here's a super new wave song that's going to totally sound current in 30 years. And that is part of what makes Sister Act 2 a little more dated because of because when the two guys rap in the final song, because that is 90s rap they're doing. So besides the lack of any sort of technology from anyone outside of the convent, this doesn't feel like a dated movie. It, it, it still could have been made today because guess what? In the convent, they're not going to have... They're not going to have the latest phone or computers and stuff. They take a vow of poverty. So I think if this movie was remade today, which I don't think they should do, if it was, I don't think they would have to change much. 
they wouldn't have to change much for modern ideals. And this movie still holds up. It holds up well. And rumor has it, well, back in actually 2019, Whoopi Goldberg talked about doing a Sister Act 3 for Disney+. So yay, maybe. I think that would get mixed reception just because nowadays Whoopi Goldberg is known as like the far, one of the far left women on The View. But of course, she's not as crazy as Jenny McCarthy or Rosie, or Rosie O'Donnell. So there's that. But let's be honest, a Sister Act 3 would be mainly for the fans of the first two and as like a nostalgic movie. But either way, let's finish up talking about Sister Act. I think it holds up. I really do. And if you're if you were a fan of Sister Act when you were younger and you watch it again now, I don't think it will have lost anything for you. I think it will be the same movie you remember. It's not cringy. I think it's really well done. I think it has a really good message. It holds up super well. I mean, older movies like Casablanca and Sound of Music holding up really well is still more impressive because this is just from the 90s, but still, it holds up well. Sister Act gets a nostalgic 8 out of 11. Well, my future friends, let's talk about the next movie on the list, which is called The Big Sick. This is back from 2017, and it can be watched right now on Amazon Prime. And I realized I never reminded you that Sister Act right now is on Disney+. Plus. But The Big Sick, right now, Amazon Prime, and it's directed by Michael Showalter. And if you watched Comedy Central in the, let's see, when was it? Early 2000s, you'll know Michael Showalter because he was on the show Stella with Michael Ian Black. He was in movies like Wet Hot American Summer, uh, the TV show The State in the 90s, or a writer for it, I'm sorry. He actually worked with Michael Ian Black quite a bit. But he directed this film, and this film was written by Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon. Emily V. Gordon is Kumail Nanjiani's wife because this is their story. This is the story of how they met and what happened when Emily V. Gordon got really sick and was put into a coma. Yeah, f***ing weird, right? So in this movie, Kumail Nanjiani plays a character named Kumail Nanjiani, and he's a stand-up comedian. Weird, right? He meets a woman named Emily Gardner one day. Emily Gardner is supposed to be Emily Gordon. I don't know why they changed her name. That, whatever. But they meet, they fall for each other, they date a while, they date for a while, but then their cultures clash. Because guess what? Kumail Nanjiani's parents want him to date someone Pakistani. They set, they try to set him up with Pakistani women. He goes over for dinner and, oh, guess who's at, at the door? Oh, this beautiful young woman just happens to be in the neighborhood. Here's her picture and information about her, because that's not totally weird in American culture. So for them, perfectly normal. But for Kumail, who was born and partially raised in Pakistan, even though that happened, he was still kind of becoming culturally American. So he was kind of like, eh, no, maybe let's not do this. Maybe let me meet someone my way. But he doesn't tell his his girlfriend about that. So she finds all these pictures of women. They kind of have a fight because he says, oh, we can never actually be together because you're white. I have to marry a Pakistani. They break up. She gets sick. He gets called because of because Emily's friend doesn't know anyone else to call. He goes to the hospital. Guess what? She is put into a medically induced coma. Her parents come see him. They know about the breakup. And there's the movie. It, well, it goes on from there, of course. That's not that's not where it ends. It'd be a terrible f***ing movie. Oh, my God. Well, she's in coma. The end. Credits roll. Oh, look at me. I never talked about the cast. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani, apparently, is in this. Zoe Kazan, Holly Hunter, Ray Romano, uh, Bo Burnham, 
A.D. Bryan and Kurt Braunholer. And I'm pretty sure that Bo Burnham, A.D. Bryan, and Kurt Braunholer just play themselves, but with different names for some weird reason, because they're his stand-up comedian friends. So the thing I noticed is that if you look in the genres this is placed under on IMDb, it's a comedy-drama-romance, which is technically true. But I think the romance isn't a huge part of this. This is not a romantic comedy because she's, because Emily, played by Zoe Kazan, spends so much of the movie in a coma. This is really about the relationship between Kumail Nanjiani and Emily's parents, Beth and Terry. And about the problems Beth and Terry are having between themselves. And then how, how Kumail fits into this and how they get to know him, he gets to know them. They start to like him because he talks to him about his side of things and also admitting that he was wrong or maybe that he just didn't handle it well. And then he he kind of helps them out and is there for them. And the thing I like about this film is that we have all of this growth for Kumail's character, a.k.a. himself, and um, we have all this growth for Emily's parents and we have all of them getting really close the whole time. She is not awake for this. So when she wakes up, guess what? Everything's not just peachy keen right away. She's still upset, but obviously they're going to have a happy ending because guess what? They're still together. Yay for love. But what I liked about this film is that it's less about where it ends and more about how they get there. But in being fully transparent, I didn't know this was based on a true story at the time. It wasn't until after when we, we were watching the credits and they had like post, I'm not sure if it was a post credit scene or there's just some information about it after the movie ended. That's like, Re- this is his actual story. But I have the feeling that even if I knew how it was going to end, I still would have liked the film just because like I said, it's not about where they went. It's about how they got there. I liked Kumal and Emily's relationship. I understood why they broke up. I got it. It made sense. It didn't feel superficial. It felt like a really good reason for a fight. And it felt like something that could really happen. So this movie just felt really honest and really plausible. Like they didn't make up a lot of stuff for Hollywood. I bet you some stuff was changed. I bet you there was stuff that was changed to make the movie more interesting. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But never once did the film come across as disingenuine. And the whole time I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Especially when we had the relationship between Kumail and his parents, which is a kind of a typical movie or typical story of this type where we have these old world parents and we have the kid who wants to be more modern. And guess what? They're going to butt heads about it because maybe the old ways, maybe back in Pakistan, things go a certain way. But he's like, no, we're in America now. You brought me here for a better life. This is the way I want to do it. So that part may have been a very familiar story, but it worked just because even though it's familiar, it's realistic. The acting in this was fantastic. And I especially loved Ray Romano and Holly Hunter. They they worked so well together. And Ray Romano was so different from other things I've seen him in. And I just liked it so much. Watching this movie made me an even bigger fan of everyone involved. If you haven't seen this movie yet, watch it. It is worth your time. But if you have seen it, hell, maybe watch it again. The Big Sick gets a 9 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds at the Squared Circle podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds at the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com 
Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, and we're back. We're back with the next two or the final two movies. That's going to be Lovebirds and Palm Springs. Lovebirds is on Netflix. Palm Springs is on Hulu. So the Lovebirds, like I said, on Netflix, it was from this year. It's an action comedy and it's oh also directed by Michael Showalter. That's crazy. So the same director from The Big Sick directed this. It also stars Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, but also has Issa Rae in it, who you would know from films like, let's see, she did the HBO show Insecure. She was in that movie Little from 2019. She's in The Photograph. Oh, The Hate You Give. I've never actually seen that, but she was in that apparently. So this film is about a couple, Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani, who are on their way to a party when they break up. And right after that, they hit a guy with their car. This is a cyclist who's not obeying the rules because guess what? He's running from someone. So they hit this guy. He gets up, runs away. This person comes over, claims to be a cop, like takes their car with them in it, chases down this bicyclist, kills him, and then leaves, leaving these two, Kamal Nanjiani's character, Gibran, and Issa Rae's Leilani, at the scene. Two hipsters walk by, think that they did it and then so they run and they decide you know what which, what we should do is we should figure out what who killed this guy what's going on we should figure all this stuff out so we can clear our name and so begins a a funny and fun movie this has a couple more people in it but the only real noteworthy person is anna camp who, who you'd know from the pitch perfect series and uh true blood but this was a very clever comedy there's some really good jokes in it it was it was violent, but not overly violent. So it didn't feel like it was trying to prove something like, oh, look how violent and gory this is, but we're still a comedy. We're so clever. And I also like the fact that their problems, that the problems that this couple had weren't just one of their faults. It wasn't like just Kumail Nanjiani. It wasn't just Issa Rae. So when these two are looking into who this guy that killed this person is, they get really deep in this kind of dark, eyes wide shut-esque kind of underbelly of rich people who seem to be in some sort of sex cult. But even though this is rated R, even though it has murder in it, even though it has a sex cult, it was never gratuitous per se. Not like Nobody's Fool that out of nowhere had like a 15 minute sex scene. But of course, that's a more of a Tyler Perry thing, isn't it? But for a Netflix original comedy, Netflix original movie in general, I think this is really well done. It didn't seem like one that they're going to try to pump a lot of money into, like uh, Extraction or their upcoming one with The Rock in it. But I still think it was a good quality film. I think it had good writing. There, there are quite a few clever jokes in it. The characters were good. And parts of it were predictable and other parts weren't entirely predictable it was a nice mix and this movie just showed me that i want more kumal nanjiani i want more Issa ray i want them together or apart i like them both and i think we need more of them so if you have netflix which you probably do you can watch this right now 
The Lovebirds gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, the final film of the week is a movie called Palm Springs. That is a Hulu original film. It came out on July 10th, and it is about Niles and Sarah, both of whom are stuck in an infinite loop. The day keeps repeating. They just happen to be at a wedding in Palm Springs. Sarah is the maid of honor because it's her sister getting married, and Andy Samberg's character, Niles, just happens to be there because he's the boyfriend of one of the bridesmaids. So Niles is already in this time loop, and and I never said who's in this. Uh, Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg plays Niles. You would know him from Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Kristen Milioti. Milioti? Yeah, Milioti is in this. You would know her if you watched the final season, I think, of How I Met Your Mother and Wolf of Wall Street. J.K. Simmons, you know him, of course. Peter Gallagher, you know him. Those are really the big names in this. So yeah, Niles is already in this repeating day. So is J.K. Simmons' character, Roy. Sarah gets wrapped up in this whole thing, and they kind of learn to deal with it. But then uh, Sarah decides, maybe I don't want to stay in this uh, repeating day forever and ever. So the film's about them, their growing relationship, and can they get out of this? And what I really liked about this film is that it was a very familiar idea. We've seen time loop movies a million times. We've seen Groundhog Day. We've seen Happy Death Day. We've seen Edge of Tomorrow. We've seen Source Code. So this is a tired idea, but what they were able to do, what director Max Barbacow, I think is how you say it, and, and writer Andy Ciara were able to do was make this original make this tired idea original they didn't even try to hide the fact that this is like groundhog day they straight up admitted it and then they made it its own thing which was a really really smart thing to do and another great thing they did is they got this great cast and andy samberg and kristen milioti are very likable especially as they grow closer and as we learn more about them and why they act the way they do and despite the fact that time loops make no sense in themselves the movie did make a lot of sense like how things happened how how sarah studied and studied and studied and studied and became an expert in i think quantum physics or something which is very similar to in the episode of stargate called window of opportunity stargate sg1 when jack and teal are in this day that keeps repeating and repeating and repeating they have to remember all of the science that Daniel and Sam teach them, because when the day resets, Daniel and Sam aren't going to remember anything. So the great thing that Palm Springs did is it used ideas that have been done before, but it made it its own, which is the perfect way to do a film like this. And this film is short, clocks in at an hour 30, which is a perfect movie time. I mean, I like longer movies. I do. But there's something great about a short movie like this that you can sit down enjoy it. It doesn't take up a lot of time, but you still have a good experience. You still are immersed in a story. So we have a good movie based on a familiar idea, but they take these familiar ideas and do their own thing with it. We have clever writing, we have a good cast, and we have it on a streaming service that most of you probably have. I know Netflix is the big dog. Netflix is one that everyone has, but Hulu is very popular too. Or someone you know has Hulu, you can watch this film. It's a quick watch. 
it's fun, it's enjoyable, it, it ticks all of the boxes. Because there's nothing better than a familiar movie that does it right. A familiar movie that doesn't just rely on the tropes of the genre, that uses them and says, yes, we know we're using these tropes, but we're going to do more than just copy what came before us. We're going to do, we're going to, we're going to make it our own. And you know what's crazy about this movie? Those ass at Metacritic like it. This gets an 83. And for them, that might as well win an Oscar. The user score in IMDb is 7.5 out of 10. And that is pretty good from IMDb because there are some hateful bastards on that website. People can agree about this movies, human beings and critics. So check this film out. Palm Springs gets a 10 out of 11. Well, my future friends, that is it for this episode's movies. Let us take a quick break and then we'll jump into the question of the week and I'll tell you about next week. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we are back with the question of the week, which if you don't remember, the question was, which film that you love have you only seen once? And you know what? It didn't have to be love per se. Maybe you just really liked it. Well, we did get an answer from outside of this house and it comes from our good friend Brian Q who says matinee. And I remember that film. It was from 1993. I didn't remember that on my own though. But it's from 93, starring John Goodman. And according to IMDb, the premise is a small time film promoter releases a, a kitschy horror film during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And about it, Brian Q says, Matinee was the movie that I've only seen once. It was such a meaningful movie to me. I always loved B-horror and sci-fi movies. I saw Matinee in the theater with an old friend of mine who was who also loved who also loved Schlock, I think. Yeah, but never saw it again. It seemed like a perfect movie. It was like a cheap date who dresses a little trashy and promises to do more than kiss. The movie was perfect. It even had Dick Miller. I've always wanted to rewatch it, but I never have. Dick Miller, uh, he was Murray from Gremlins, and he was in The Burbs, and a lot of old movies. Thank you, Brian Q, for that. For the next answer, let's turn to this very house. And Anne, who gave two answers, she said Palm Springs, because she really loved Palm Springs, and Little Women. And that was the Little Women from 2019. And for me, actually, she had to remind me what my answer was, because she knew what it was off the bat, and I was still thinking, but it was Love, Simon. The movie based on, that I talk about all the time, based on the book Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. I love the film. I've only seen it once. I don't even own it. I don't own the book or the movie, and I love both. Well, my future friends, we have to talk about the next question of the week, and then I'll tell you what films we're going to watch for next week. 
So let's start with the question of the week first, which is, and I don't think I've done this before, but if I have, uh, maybe come up with a different answer. Yay. Out of all the movies that have been postponed, which are you most excited to see? So out of all the movies that have been postponed due to COVID, what movie are you most excited to see? So my future friends, let's talk about movies. So we're coming back next week. We're no longer taking a two week break. We're going to try this new once a week thing again. See how it works. Because eventually we're going to have to go back to the once a week show when movies start coming out again. So let us instead do an episode next week with trailers and news and two movies. And those two movies are going to be the throwback film Vertigo, which apparently is free to watch on Peacock with ads. I own it because it's part of a, a couple movies I bought this last weekend. I bought Vertigo and Mr. Smith goes, not Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Vertigo and Rear Window. So it made me want to do that for a throwback film. But turns out that Peacock, the NBC streaming service that's free with sarcastic air quotes because there's ads, has it on there. So yay, you could watch it even if you don't own it. So Vertigo on Peacock and Peanut Butter Falcon on Hulu. So once again, Vertigo on Peacock and Peanut Butter Falcon on Hulu. So this has been episode 177 of Future Flicks with Billiam titled Groundhog Springs because I'm super original and I will see you again next week for episode 178, which will not be named until the very last minute because I'm not that clever. So without further ado, let's jump into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Billiam SWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends... My dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>